0: hello and welcome to switzer investing thanks for joining me i'm peter switzer on tonight's show i've asked adam doors of shore and partners to look at the stocks that he thinks are good value stocks value stocks tend to do very well when a market goes into a, a, a crash and the economy goes into a recession and then value stocks seem to outperform growth stocks for a few years last week i looked at a, a, a fair few value stocks this week i've got adam Dawes giving us his best offers when it comes to value stocks and then i got mike gable from fairmont equities to look at some of the stocks that were mentioned last week as being good value stock uh, buys to see whether the charts actually endorse those selections and you know given the fact i have already interviewed mike they pretty well have endorsed those ones so worth having a look at uh, gable's analysis and then paul ricard looks at the big miners uh, BHP Fortescue and Rio and, and evaluates whether they are probably oversold at the moment he also gives you view on Sydney Airport that's received a bigger offer uh, is it uh, worth hanging on to and waiting for that offer to come through or should you sell it in advance and then Julia Lee is looking at um, the stocks that she's recently bought and the ones that she's dumped and she also looks at a number of really good and interesting stocks they're worth thinking about, given the fact there's going to be a reopening of the economy as we get more vaccinations happening. So that's the show. Let's kick off with Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. So the market's been a little bit um, dodgy lately. The Americans had five days of uh, downside but they when you look at the whole week it wasn't much i think it's down about 1.6 percent. are you expecting a bit more volatility for us and a bit of downside for a while
1: i think when you've been in the markets you, you come to expect that there will be sell-offs um, from time to time and looking at at september and september is actually the worst performing month for the australian share market so looking back on the last 20 years and September is the absolute worst month with an average return of minus 0.9%. Having said that, October, although it scares a lot of people, tends to be a very good month. In fact, a top five month for the Australian market. So a bounce back of 1.1%. And sometimes, you know, when you see the market selling off and starting to correct, you get you get quite nervous. But you know, despite talk of tapering and stagflation, you know, there's still quite a bit of cheap money out there. And here in Australia, we're looking at potential reopening, which will drive economic activity in the short term. So look, I think any pullback here will be healthy and an opportunity to accumulate.
0: Yeah, I know last week I had a quick look at what the American market has done. If you compare where they are now to where they were before the coronavirus crash, they're up about 34%, but we're up about 5%. So I think we've got some upside to go. Across the
1: Australian market's up a bit more than that. But, um, you know, it's been a phenomenal run. We've had 11 consecutive months of gains on the Aussie share market. And, Pete, that's something we haven't seen for the Aussie share market since uh, 1942 to 43. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you Begulia, know, it's been
0: an incredible run. What I was saying was if you go back to where we were before the crash ah,
2: that, and
0: the graph, you see how much we've gone up, we've only gone up 5%. But staggeringly, the Yanks are up 30, 34% crazy stuff. So they're due for sell-off. I don't think we are, but we probably will follow suit. Let's go to some of the important areas you want to talk about. I did ask you to to rate the big miners. A lot of people are asking me, are they in the buying zone? What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, look, I think the short-term outlook's looking pretty good for the big miners. I think the sell-off's been too severe. So in the short term, I think you will see a bit of a reversion to the mean and a a bit of buying coming through. I'd probably prefer the diversified miners here, and that's because iron ore, I think it's going to be a little bit, we are going into a seasonally weak season for Chinese demand, but I think it is going to be weaker than normal. The Beijing Winter Olympics is next year in February, and I'm sure they want to see some blue skies instead of smoggy skies. And unfortunately that means uh, for Australia that they'll probably be looking at curbing steel production to get those blue skies. So look, iron ore is probably going to stay weak until um, the first couple of months of next year. So probably after Chinese New Year, it will start to strengthen back up again. But in the short term, I think um, the iron ore miners, the sell-off's been overdone. So we're due for a bit of a bounce, which I think has slowly started. Um, And I guess Fortescue would be in for the biggest bounce short term, but has probably the weakest outlook of the big majors um, in the medium to longer term. Having said that, I still like lithium. We've got both Orocobre and Pilbara Pilbara Minerals, and that's because the electric vehicle story means that, you know, the demand is a lot stronger than supply at the moment. So the short to medium term outlook is looking good here.
0: Okay. What about mining services? I know Rudy Philippe Van Dyke last week, we're at Monodelphus and I always love the way he pronounces Monodelphus more than anything. But uh, over the years, he's always liked that stock and he's often got it right. And I think even you've liked Monodelphus in your time as well. I think.
1: Yes, um, I mean, Monodelphus is seen as the gold standard in terms of mining services, but at the moment, I probably prefer CIMIC to Monodelphus, only that during reporting season, once again, a key theme that came through was uh, the labour shortages, which were mainly over in WA. And if you have a look at CIMIC, it has greater exposure, not only to Asia, but also the eastern seaboard with its infrastructure projects. Um, So I think it's in in a good place for strong growth. In fact, having a look at the six months till the end of the financial year, the work in hand was $10.4 billion. So that was up about 52% on the previous corresponding period. And then today it announced another $900 million win. So look, I think uh, it's a bullish market for infrastructure. I think we're going to be seeing some more roads being built. And then add into the mix, you know, the the Olympics, which will eventually be in Brisbane, should be good news in terms of building as well. So Simic would probably be my number one. Pick, but just watching things like labor shortages and the impact they have on profitability because you know with project work if you're offering a fixed price and costs go up then you're going to have to absorb those costs and a prof a project can very quickly turn from a very profitable one into a loss making one
0: yeah good point good point now, i also asked you to tell us if there's any stocks you've dumped and any stocks you've recently acquired so what's the story there
1: Sure. I mean, Helios is a stock that we've done extremely well on, um, but I've been selling Helios. Uh, I've sold all of Helios um, and that's because, look, the reopening trade, the number of vaccinations, I think just behaviourally, we'll probably be taking less COVID tests um, over the next six months than we have been over during lockdown. So I just think that growth might be peaking there in terms of that COVID testing and the uplift. On the flip side, there's uh, going to be a bit of a rebalance to the ASX 200 this Friday. And added into the mix, there are a couple of stocks where I think there will be winners from the reopening. Um, And they are Tyro as well as C Link, so they'll be added into the ASX two hundred. So as soon as that announcement is made, um, that comes into our investment universe, and we're being very quick buyers of both C Link as well as Tyro.
0: Yeah, I think Tyro actually gets in the top two hundred, doesn't
1: it? Yes, so the top two hundred is our investment universe. Um, so Tyro as well as C Link will both be included.
0: And the thing is, this a lot of fund managers, particularly running ETFs, they have to buy companies because basically you go by the top 200.
1: Yes, there is that. I do still like to look at the company's fundamentals and look both C-Link as well as Tyra have been impacted by the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the reopening happens, they should be beneficiaries. So there is still a big rotation from those COVID uh, winners into some of the COVID losers or the, the stocks that should benefit from reopening. So we're, we're seeing that in our own portfolios, but I suspect that's happening across the rest of the market yeah, as well. a
0: thumbs up as well. Thumbs up? Yeah, thumbs up for Qantas.
1: Oh, yes, and Qantas as well. Yes, Qantas doing well. Um, today they had an ACCC meeting, uh, an announcement that went uh, against them, but I think Qantas will be in much better shape after we come out of lockdown. Um, so looking at the next uh, two to three years, and I think Qantas is going to be a leaner, fitter machine. Um, so liking Qantas here as well.
0: Julia, thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Pete. Become an annual Switzer Report subscriber and get unprecedented access to my 7 investing principles where I reveal the exact strategies I use to invest. You'll get access to an exclusive PDF, video recording, and even a free copy of my book Join the Rich Club. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, a Switzer Report subscription is one of the wisest investments you can make towards your future. Find out more at switzerreport.com.au slash YouTube offer, or click on the link in the description below. And that was Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Now, coming up now is Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. And last week, I did a bit of a crusade to try and work out what value stocks look like good value going forward. And a number of the stocks came out from my experts. And I then went to Mike Gable, and said, well, Mike, what do the charts say about these companies? And that's what he's gonna actually report on right now. Mike, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, Peter.
0: Let's kick off with BHP first.
2: Yeah, look, BHP's obviously had a, had a rough few weeks, um, but what I wanted to do was show everyone a longer term chart of BHP. So this is a monthly chart, as we could see going back 15 years. Um, now, we looked at this chart earlier on in the year, and we noted that um, BHP was breaking to, uh, to an all-time high through a very major resistance level, which was um, sort of in the low 40s there. So there's the horizontal blue line. Mm. We could see that um, up until earlier this year had been a barrier for BHP. Um, and earlier this year, of course, it, um, it broke through that. Uh, and that's, you know, that that was quite significant. So the most recent declines um, with BHP, it only really brings it back to about that line. I mean, you know, give or take a dollar. Um, but that general region um, is, is where BHP now sits. So I think this will be a very strong um, support level for BHP. I don't expect it to, to rally um, quite quickly um, from here. I think it may well sort of drift sideways for a little bit, but um, but yeah, this is, this is a pretty major level for it. So I'm pretty confident that um, over the next few months or so, you'll see uh, BHP's share price improve.
0: Yeah. And the analysts do uh, have a, a lot of faith in the company. I think the, the, the general consensus is around a 12% rise, but some of the companies, uh, analysts really like even more to the extent that you know, they see it being a you know, a $50 plus stock very easily. I, I saw one at 60 but I but that person probably pulled it back to about 55 But mm. uh, and, and after talking to Michael Knox from uh, Morgan's, he's got a very uh, bullish outlook for 2022 and commodity prices in particular. So I think it's going to help the Let's go to the next one now, and that is Iluca Resources, ILU. Gee, it's looking good there.
2: Yeah, look, it, it is a it is a good-looking chart. I think this is one we also looked at Earlier in the year as well, so very nice, very nice trend. I mean, there have been in a, there have been a couple of occasions where the charts looked a bit a bit dicey, such as in July. But but look, overall, it's managed to continue to um, trend well. So the diagonal line there clearly indicates that it makes these higher lows. So every time the share price does have a bit of a dip, um, the buying comes in. Uh, most recently, there was a a resistance level at $10. So a bit of selling when it got near $10, but we could see today it's gapped up above that um, and is is trading really well. So uh, yeah, look, there's there's nothing, as I said, nothing wrong with the way this is trading right now. It should just continue to head higher. Um, If it was to dip back, um, I'd like to see it hold um, that prior low near 8.50. In other words, if you see a dip in the share price, as long as it pretty much stays uh, above that diagonal line, then you know there's, there's, there's nothing to worry about. So if you're looking to buy a dip uh, to get a bit more value on, on iLuca, then yeah, just make sure it's above that diagonal line. But at the moment, just a, a nice, nice strong, steady uptrend.
0: Okay. <clears throat> the next one is Ramsey Healthcare RHC. Now, this is a company that has done very well in the past. And as you can see, it's pretty well gone sideways there's a kind of an inclination to be more down than up. But yeah, your your chart shows yeah. it has actually snuck through that blue line. So tell us about that.
2: Yeah, fairly interesting. I mean, Ramsey hasn't um, done as well as some of the other larger uh, healthcare stocks. But, um, but I have noticed there is this very obvious level of selling. Anytime it gets near $70, uh, yeah, basically the selling kicks in and and the share price is unable to make much progress. It did sneak above that as we could see several days ago, but, um, but the selling managed to to kick in again. So um, basically, that's the key level to to keep an eye on. I mm-hmm. think if we see it get above seventy dollars and manage to hold there, um, then that would be a positive sign because it just it simply tells us that that anyone wishing to sell the the stock at 70 has already done so and gone, and um, and that'll you know, that'll mean that the shares are free to head higher so probably too early to be buying today but it's nice to get it's nice to, to have a stock like this where you could see a very clear level um, and there's not much guesswork around well do i buy or not for me it's pretty clear gets above seventy dollars holds well, there for like a few days that's Sure,
0: sorry, sorry mate uh well i got like this is that okay it's high before the coronavirus is about eighty dollars or so um, and clearly this is a company that has not benefited from the coronavirus. It's a, a hospital business. That's a lot of their sort of surgeries that they would be doing have been put on hold. You know, um, they operate in France, the UK, and other, other uh, in Malaysia, I think. But there would have been a lot of like government interference and in them making money because of the, the national concerns around the coronavirus. So uh, it's interesting. Okay. I, I think this looks like a value stock that has some upside, but. You're right, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but once we feel as though open borders and countries are getting back to normal, which probably be mid 2022, I wouldn't be surprised to see it get back up towards the 80s again. Okay, let's go to the next one, Hub24.
2: Yeah, exactly. So what do you yeah, recommend? so this one again is is a stock that looks like it should continue to to trend higher. It's It's been a bit of a wild one as we could see. it. Uh, you know, over the course of this year, it's been as high as you know, initially $28 back down towards 20 um, some fairly wild swings. But it seems as though that $28 region, which was a major level for it, um, you know, that was finally breached at the end of last month. And um, yeah, to me, it looks like it should be able to, to head higher. We could see that before the breakout, it was making the higher low. So every time it did dip into the low 20s, there was some buying support. Um, that's why I've got that diagonal blue line there. But now that it's broken out, I think as long as it could stay above 28, um, then, you know, there's an opportunity there to, to buy it. Look, it might not necessarily be one, Yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily keen on a stock like this with such, you know, big swings and, and big big volatile moves in, in either direction. But, you know, if you, if you like the business, um, I think looking at this chart, you can be confident that um, you should see high levels over the next several months.
0: Yeah, it doesn't look like an AMP chart, does it?
2: <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, not much does. <laughs> no.
0: uh, okay, let's go to Babcorp. Now, Rudy's always like Babcorp. Rudy, philippic Van Dyke from FN Arena. And he always thinks that the market, you know, um, misreads Babcorp. And he's arguing that last Thursday. Mm. What is the chart telling you about Babcorp?
2: Yeah, it's great business. Obviously, it hasn't made any Sort of share price progress over the last year, but um, again, this one's got a very clear range, which mm. which is great. So um, at the moment, it's getting towards the bottom of that range, and um, you know if it gets these seven dollars, it's a buy. You know, in anticipation of a rally back up towards eight fifty. I think if it breaks that that lower blue line, then that's that's a problem because it just means that there's you know not much buying of the dip anymore so that would be a concern but um but based on past experience yeah anywhere around here or slightly levels a buying opportunity for a run up to 850 um, and then clearly if it can get above 850 that would be really bullish because again it just means that that all the big big sellers around that point are gone um, mm. and then it's just blue sky so um, for the moment it's a range-bound uh trading opportunity with uh, with an ability to top up, I think, if you can see a crack above 8.50. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's certainly a, a business that's right in the sec- right sector at the moment. Like cars are doing so well, aren't they? Um, and it's yeah. in the business. All right, let's go into your pick for the week. You, you usually go for a company, but today you want to go to the overall market, what you're seeing. And I've written a few pieces saying that I'm expecting volatility over September, October, There's so semi- many sort of curveballs out there from inflation concerns and slowdowns in America and China and you know, mm. tapering concerns from Reserve Bank and interest rate rises. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, a Delta variant, of course. Yeah. What was this chart telling you, mate?
2: Yeah, so apologies to those looking, to those looking for another stock tip, but I thought this well, then was... You can <laughs> buy the ETF or sell the ETF. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I thought this was worth mentioning um, just just highlighting what, what's happening in the broader market. So when it comes to the index, I like to uh, keep an eye on the 50-day, um, this is the exponential moving average. Um, it gives us a good guide as to you know, whether the markets, you know, whether we should expect some weakness or whether it's happy to continue moving higher. Um, with our market, as we could see since the beginning of the year, it has broken that 50-day moving average. So that, that's the blue line. Um, following the market. But every time it's broken that blue line, it's, it's bounced back up uh, the day after. What's, what's interesting here is last Thursday, that big move down did see our uh, market break the 50-day moving average. Um, and on Friday, it got close to the underneath of that line and couldn't get above. And again, today we're, we're trading underneath that, that blue line. So I've circled that on the right-hand side so we could see the break. And we could see that our market is trading under that blue line. So I'm not saying the market's got another 30% drop or anything anything horrible like that. I think there's, I agree with you, Peter, there's enough, um, I think, fundamental reasons for the market to do well um, in the longer term. But those, those risks in the short term that you highlighted, it seems to be playing out now in the price action. So mm-hmm. I think that it's worth just being a little bit cautious here on our market in the short term. I think if there's stocks that, um, that, that in investors out there like, they may well be able to get them cheaper over the next few weeks. Um, our market, yeah, it's impossible to know whether we just dip sort of a few percent or 10%. I mean, that's, that's impossible to know at the moment. But um, what I do think will happen at the moment is there should be a bit of weakness here, um, just a lack of uh, you know, lack of upwards movement the US markets is trading above their 50 day So if they break their 50 day in the next few days, then um, that could lead to to further softness here. So just a general, be cautious, no need to dive into too much at the moment. Um, And I think most of your favourite stocks out there, the way this market's trading looks like, they they might get cheaper over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah. And Mark, what's interesting, I think if you look at those sections where the markets trade sideways, they, cut, they coincide very closely with lockdowns, don't they?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it looks like we've just decided to, to get worried about something else. And you know what the market's like sometimes. They, they tend to get worried over nothing and all the lemmings follow each other off the cliff. But hopefully the, the cliff this time is a small one.
0: I call it a buying opportunity. All right, Mark, Gable, yep. thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. That was Michael Gable from Female Equities Now and joining me now is Adam Dawes of Shore and Partners. Adam, good to see you. Yes, good to see you also, Peter. How are you going today? Very good, very good. And uh, yeah. I've, I've asked you to, to look at some value stocks, stocks that you think uh, are priced to... You know, go go on the upside over the next uh, six months to a year or whatever
3: yeah come up with three well did you like my did you like my suggestions
0: well i'll tell you after you tell me and i'll review <laughs> it yeah you, know, you, you have to pass the Switzer test before i give you the thumbs up but your first one is lendlease which i have held in recent times i've yes. kept my fingers crossed
3: yeah look it, it's one of those ones that certainly i think that there's some value emerging from it but uh, I guess to the, the viewers, I'd be a little bit cautious still on this one. I still think there's a little bit more water to go under the bridge on this one. But I am looking to start putting it back into clients' portfolios. And I think the value is emerging from most of the bad news has already been sort of come into light. You know, we know pretty much where lease is. I also remain cautious on the ability for them to commence on some of the developments in their timeline. But what I did like about the result from Lend Lease, and this is why I think the value is starting to come out in this one, is that they announced $160 million cost out, which is about 17% of their earnings. Um, and then basically then from there, it's looking that they will those get those return on equity targets up by about 2024. But they also did say that that cost out program is going to allow them to then get greater synergies moving forward. And that's a very much company speak, Peter. You would probably already know that 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 company speak is, is that they've got a new MD in there at the moment, and the market is a little bit skeptical on how they're going to be able to actually get that uh, work going. So I think that this one is going to be an interesting one. I think there's value there, but it just might take a little bit longer than first thought. Okay, the one that the analysts
0: certainly agree with you is QBE. I think they've got a, a 15% upside. That's
3: the consensus view, but some even have it higher. What's your view on QBE? Well, this one has been a perennial disappointer to the market, okay? No doubt about it that that they are perennially disappointing uh, the market. And I think that is one of the things that you always have to be very careful because we've always gone into QBE thinking that things are going to be okay, but they obviously then disappoint. Now, taking a step back, uh, car insurance, which QBE doesn't do a lot of, but I'm talking about insurance generally – uh, insurance generally, you know, there hasn't been many car crashes because people aren't driving anymore. There hasn't been many burglaries around because everyone's at home. So yeah. just like yourself, Peter, sitting there with uh, at home, uh, you know, uh, so a lot of insurance claims, or there hasn't been a lot of insurance claims. Now, yeah. QBE is a very big reinsurer, and I think that's where you got to be a little bit careful with QBE because they basically reinsure very large companies, and it's all about the weather for these guys, and certainly mm. the weather's been very hard to pick. But QBE is looking at getting some of their expense ratios. And in fact, their underwriting expense ratios is better than a lot of their regional peers. So that's a first advantage. I think their North American division, they're going to be able to get around 200 basis points taken out and that will equate to about $80 million worth of cost savings for the business. Again. That's certainly something that I think will do we'll do very very well. And look, QBE again. I think the analysts agree with me, but I, I just want to see uh, some more water under under the bridge. But QBE is definitely looking like there's value at the moment. Okay, let's go to your next one, AMC, Amcor. What yeah. a classic! What a great, what a great business. Um, there's a bit of less value because they did upgrade uh, their their numbers just uh, I think two weeks ago when they reported. But look, consistently they're getting some fantastic EPS growth. There's around around 16 to 14, 16 to 15, sorry, I'll start that again, 15 to 16% EPS growth going forward. They've got strong margins and we're basically guiding to a, a better year for 2022 to 2023. I think the management are fantastic on Amcor. I think the the only issue with Amcor is that raw material. So the cost, input costs are rising, but, Amcor will be able to get that going forward. Certainly, this is a reopening trade or a reflation trade as well. I think Amcor, there's certainly value in there. But the negative side of it is that healthcare has dragged them down a little bit. So I think you need to be a little bit cautious about that. And there are, they're, they're when they merge the business between Bemis and Amcor, they've been able to get a lot of synergies out of that as well. So I think that's certainly fantastic. They're also doing a $400 million buyback as well. I think there's lots going for Amcor. It's a fantastic business. Sits in the top 50 stocks. I think you can't do too wrong going for Amcor at the moment.
0: Okay. So there are your value stocks. Do you put Telstra in the value bag or is a company you just either like or dislike?
3: Well, it's something that I like at the moment. I think Telstra, after the dividend's been paid, which it has now, I think Telstra certainly has uh, some really good value in it. Um, you know they are moving in the right direction selling assets um and you know if inflation starts to bite you want to be in a business that can raise prices with inflation and that's certainly something that Telstra can do we saw them their ARPU their average revenue per user level rose about 2%, 1.7%. Now that doesn't sound like a lot but if inflation's running at 2%, 3% you want to be in a business that can raise prices with inflation. And I think Telstra is, a, is one that you would firmly have in your portfolio at the moment.
0: What kind of price target do you
3: have? Uh, we don't cover it, but most of the market has got over $4. It's currently 3 dollars dollars somewhere around there. Um, but as we know, most analysts will upgrade prices as the share price rises. And I think that's what will happen. There will be begrudging upgrades coming in uh, for Telstra in, in the next six months or so.
0: Okay, and your final one is GDC.
3: So this is a little bit of an interesting one. It's a global data centre business, okay? Where does all the data go when you turn on your computer, when you look at your emails, when you look at YouTube or you do something on there, where does all that data go? We've got Internet of Things. So in other words, at the moment in your household, there's probably about 12 connected devices to the internet. Five years ago, that was about eight. And we expect that over the next... 10 to 15 years, that will rise to 20 to 30 devices connected to the internet. All of that has to go somewhere. Next DC is the big guy in the room. That's the Australian component. We've got a one little small one. We've got a price target on GDC of around about $2.40 at the moment. It's currently $2.203 at the moment. So there's some real upside there and some real value in this due to the fact that you're future-proofing your portfolio or it's a warehouse of the future. Going forward, so global data centers (GDC) we really like that one. It's a good little play. Next DCs had a good run. I think this is time for GDC to start to move. Yeah,
0: so it's it's but basically trying to eat Next DCs lunch
3: on a global scale. So they've they've realised that they can't do it here in Australia because rents are too expensive, land is too expensive. So they've decided to go to uh, France, Latin America, Guam, those kinds of things. They are raising some more capital at the moment. Uh, that's at a $1.93 raising around about sort of 25 million but what that is going to do is then that, that is going to allow them to go out and make some more acquisitions in the, in the, on that global space and i feel really comfortable about that going forward
0: okay adam thanks for sharing your
3: insights thanks have a great day
0: Become an annual Switzer Report subscriber and get unprecedented access to my 7 investing principles where I reveal the exact strategies I use to invest. You'll get access to an exclusive PDF, video recording, and even a free copy of my book Join the Rich Club. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, a Switzer Report subscription is one of the wisest investments you can make towards your future. Find out more at switzerreport.com.au slash YouTube offer or click on the link in the description below. Well, joining me now as he does each week is Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. How are you on, Paul? Good, thank you, Peter. Look, Paul, I do want to actually just throw something to you um, around the big iron or players. I, I think they've got... They're probably buying opportunities from here right now I'm gonna ask you about Sydney Airport in a moment, but what, what do you think about the bigger iron ore players? You know, just put a six-month period on it. Do you think they're gonna go on the on the upside or, or keep hovering around these low levels? I think
4: around a BHP in the very low 40s, Peter, there's got to be a bit of value there. I mean, in the same way that I think when everyone saw the iron ore price at you know $230 and particularly the, the sort of the run-up from about 150 to 230 was in a matter of just a couple of weeks. Uh, and it's come back as almost as quickly uh, because the, uh, you know, the Chinese government is clearly giving instructions to the steel makers to whatever they're doing to cut production of steel. So that uh, in the run up to, uh, you know, the convention in Glasgow or whatever it is, for whatever reason they're trying to get the price down, they've been pretty successful. And I think it's, um, you know, the, the underlying fundamentals are still there in terms of, you know, an improving world economy. So, I don't think I give up on iron ore yet, notwithstanding the the correction in the price. And I think around $40, there's value in BHP. I think there's also, we're seeing, um, yeah, at the same time, strength in
0: other commodities still. So you've got to expect some of that will flow back into iron ore. Yeah. But my figuring also is that if you believe the economists that 2022 is going to be a a boom year once all the the businesses that are closed now or affected because of the coronavirus, we'll see a boom. And that should be good for economic activity, and you know the iron ore uh, producers are, are likely to do better than they are right now. So it seems logical that they're going to do reasonably well. They Don't want to shoot the lights out, but they do reasonably well going forward. Well, remember also that no
4: one really expected the price ever to get there in the first place. Remember that uh, Josh Frydenberg, the treasurer, his estimate I think is based on an iron ore price of about sixty dollars. From memory, it might be, it might be out there a fraction fifty-five. Yeah. Of them. 55, yeah, the West Australian government's got about the same, and so have the analysts, you know, so they've been going up. No one expected to get to 230. So even at 130, it's still well above what most people were factoring in, and that's in the analyst forecast. So I think, you know, we're now down there. The price has come off from 55 to 40. Fortescue's had the same sort of drop as had Rio. I think there's a bit of value there. In fact, BHP's now less than it was uh, at the start of the year, well down on the start of the year when the price was uh, was down about those levels. So I think there's some value there, Peter. And I think the other thing to remember is, is the other factor of BHP, of course, is we've seen a bit of a short position build up uh, in the local Australian stock. And that's to do with essentially the long-term closing of the London, of the separate London listing. And so the arbitragers have been been buying the stock listed on, on the UK uh, market and selling the Australian stock. And, look, that arbitrage will come out at some stage and uh, I think there's probably um, a bit of upside still in
0: BHP still. And what about the, the dividend going forward? pretty good still, isn't it?
4: Yeah, I mean, certainly no-one expects the dividend to continue at the same rate. And um, as you pointed out, I think, uh, in today's Switzer report, Peter, the, the the dividend forecasts for next year are a lot lower than they are for this year, but they're still pretty attractive. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's sort of built into the price. So we've just got to see a little bit of stability, I guess, in the uh, in the commodity price. And um, I think we'll see a the, the positive rebound. So, look, for the long-term player, there's, there's value here at the moment. If you really want to play the trend, you, maybe you wait just a bit longer. And uh, But I think for the
0: long-term value player, this is a reasonable entry level. Okay. What about um, Sydney Airport? You've been watching that and they've been offered a higher price. Yeah, what's really
4: surprised me about Sydney Airport, and even today, Peter, is the fact it's still trading at quite a big discount um, to the price. And uh, I said that the first time when the first offer, I think, came at at eight twenty-five. I think it was from memory, and I said that's a really quality group of uh, potential buyers. this is Australian big Australian Super, and then Australian Super joined in and they raised the price to eight forty-five and said that's an even better group of buyers. These guys aren't going to go away quickly. Now they've raised the price the bid to $8.75 and Sydney Airport said okay let's we'll grant you some rights to do due, to due diligence and today it's still trading at a discount i think it's about $8.40 at last check so you know i think this is going this they're going to win they they're going to take it over they'll pay the price uh, if i if you're a Sydney Airport shareholder hang on um, i don't think the market is giving this bid enough credence these guys want the asset mm. and uh, they've shown three times now they're prepared to pay up I don't know how much due diligence you can do in Sydney Airport and not and discover something you didn't already know. Yeah. Um, and this is Australia. This is big, super Australia getting behind and saying we want to own the assassin uh, and take it off the market. So Sydney Airport shareholders, I reckon you're going to see a bid at eight dollar seventy five. It'll be all cash. It'll come to fruition, and that'll be a great exit point um, for uh, shareholders.
0: So, as a consequence of the Sydney Airport bid, have you seen other infrastructure players affected, Paul? Well, we did
4: initially, Peter, when it was first announced, but today it's been a bit interesting. Transurban is actually down on the day, Peter. Uh, Auckland International Airport uh, is up a touch. But I think, you know, what we're really seeing here is, is the impact of all these, you know, super, the money in Australia is becoming really concentrated. We're going to end up with a, a small number of really powerful superannuation funds. And increasingly, Peter, they're going to want to own assets in their own right, not through a listed vehicle. So it does mean that uh, any prize assets that are out there, and this could be not not just uh, infrastructure assets, but things like, um, you know, utilities or potentially, you know, um, uh, buildings and other sort of single big assets, um, you know, big super is going to get involved and going to look to own these assets in their own right. And um, that's got an important flow on, I think, for parts of our market. So we're going to see more of... uh, I think these sort of plays as, as big super, if you want to call it that, uh, really says, look, we, we just need to own this stuff because we're
0: so big, it's so hard to invest and we can take on the whole thing. That's right, especially when it comes to monopolies like Sydney Airport. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. And that was Paul Rickard of The Switzer Report. And if you want to get more insights into how to invest and what stocks look really good, think about taking a free trial of The Switzer Report. Lots of our analysts and experts give more detailed analysis of companies that we don't necessarily discuss on the TV show So Have a look at that. It may well be in your best interest. Thanks for joining us. See you on Thursday.